it just seems strange to think of it as a new year. Um, strange and wonderful. <clears throat> We're going to go right into the Word of God today. If you would go to Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. Over the last little while, it seems like the Lord has just been speaking um, just brief little snippets here and there of all that either He wants to do or that is going on around us. And on Sunday, I was encouraged by the message that Brother Perkins preached to us. Um, at first, you know, it was I was thanking God that it wasn't just me that was seeing some things and going through some things. And then as he kept going on, um, I was thinking, God, is he going to talk about everything that you uh, have been talking to me about <laughs> for, this, for this service here tonight? But it was one of those messages that, that just keeps feeding you. The more you look at it, the more you mull it over. I'm just thankful for that. Let's look at Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. Thankful that Pastor and Sister Glover are able to get away for a while, be in a warmer climate than this. Let's keep them in our prayers. Verse 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. And this is Jesus over Jerusalem. And saying, if thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. That's, that's an interesting statement right there. If you had known what belongs to your peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. This is, of course, speaking prophetically what was to happen to the city, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. In this scripture, it, it bothers me and comforts me at the same time. It's strange. And first, because it seems they miss out completely on what God has for them. And yet, because of this, it gives almost immediate opportunity for many, for all, to come into relationship with God Almighty. You may be seated tonight. Tonight, we're going to be speaking on prepared for promise. Prepared for promise. I was like, man... Even the title, Prepared for Promise. Tonight, we're just going to take a walk through Scripture, through the different stories and events that we can see throughout Scripture, the accounts that show us of how God seems to just prepare things perfectly and in the right order. How God was opening doors that just didn't make sense at the first glance. And it seems to me the more 
you know, I was talking with the Lord about it, and he was just showing me story after story after account after account of how we don't have everything figured out perfectly. And the situation around people in the Bible, they didn't have access to all the, the news sites, to all the, the um, instant contact that we have available now. And yet they received a word from God and they followed through on what God gave them to do. And Joseph's life was a vivid example of this. He went from being a slave to a ruler in Egypt, as told starting in Genesis 37. And just like Joseph, we often find that our own abilities are not quite enough. That the things that God gives us, the word that God gives us, is good for us, but not everybody thinks so. And yet through it all, we can see the need for the word that God gives us and to trust in the Lord that provides for every single thing that we have need of. Let's look at Genesis 37, starting in verse 4. This is speaking of Joseph. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. I, I, I have this bad habit of getting amused at the, at the stupidest things. It's not a funny situation when your whole family hates you because your dad loves you more. But at the same time, it's like, I get it. You know, I understand. And here in verse 5, Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. What God had given him, the promise that he didn't perhaps fully understand just yet, they hated him for it. And he said unto them, Hear, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to, me, to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Just keeps piling up. He dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brethren. Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And here's the, the verse that kind of sticks out to me because his father corrects him and in no uncertain terms puts him where he believes his place is. And yet here in verse 11, and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. He's like, I'm, I'm going to remember this. Maybe there's something to this. I don't fully understand it. <clears throat> it's not how the natural order of things are to be. And yet, there's something about this that I just can't let go of. Joseph was talked about recently. We aren't going to go into deep dive into his life tonight. But I've always liked Joseph because the Lord shows him something and immediately gets taken the wrong way 
but yet he doesn't get this horrible attitude about it. We don't really see that in Scripture at all. Yet that last line that we read, verse 11, says that someone was paying attention. Of course, we know the end of that story, Genesis 50, verses 20 and 21. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. See, throughout the the situations that he endured, he understood that God was still for him. He understood that even in the midst of his situation, he had the choice and the opportunity to serve the Lord. To not get bent out of shape about it. And here in verse 21, he says, Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly to them. And this is when they were still not moved into Egypt with him yet. And I don't know how it was for them being in Egypt when Joseph, he's, he's the second in command for the whole country. What he says, that's law. And we can see later on in Scripture how they were still concerned about it when their father had passed. And yet he comforted them again and says, I have no ill will for you. He understood something about what God gave him. When God calls us or gives us a word, how do we respond? We've been told about these open doors that are either coming this year or about to be presented to us. And how will we respond? Are we preparing for promise? So how do we respond? Joseph, he kept a good attitude, even though I'm sure he had some dark days. He goes from a slave to a slave in a bigger house. (laughs) And then he goes from that slave to a place of prominence in that house, where the captain, Potiphar, he didn't know what was going on in his own household because Joseph's got it. It's all taken care of. And then course gets put in the king's prison so goes from a place of prominence for a slave to a place of absolute I don't even know what to call it it seemed like he went from a place that was tolerable to a place that was much much less tolerable much less freedom and yet even there the Lord saw to prosper him Even there, the Lord saw the character of Joseph and others, it was was shown, right? So many times, the way I think of it is like we are a, a, a big billboard. And what we do and how we act and what we say is displayed on that billboard. And I always think, do people see the Lord's hand? Am I pointing the way? To Christ, or is it just about self? What can I get out of this? And yet here, Joseph understood that even though he may face some things, God's word was still true. God's promises. And so he went through those dark times. And Moses, he saw a burning bush and heard God's voice, 
And I, I kind of, I was reading this, and in Exodus chapter 3, and he talks with God, and it's like he immediately starts problem solving. <laughs> He's like, are you sure, God? Uh, you know, we, we've got these things to deal with, and God gives him the answers. He says, this is what you need to do. Peter steps out of a boat onto water at Jesus' command, Matthew 14. And that took, that took a lot of guts, right? Because he's a, he's a fisherman. He knows what happens in storms. You get out of the boat, you get out of your place of safety, and down you go. Well, he starts to see what was going on. I don't know if he was just super excited to see Jesus. And he's like, all right, we can do this. I see him walking. I can do it too, if he says and so, his faith, he stepped out. And the disciples wait in the upper room for the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2. Ananias, he went to Saul, despite his fears, after double-checking that God knew what he was doing. You sure you know who Saul is? He's like, yes, I've got it. It's Acts 9. And these accounts teach us about the difference between merely hearing God's Word and actively preparing for it and doing it. You see, it's one thing to be prepared and to have a plan. It's another thing to do it. There's a reason, you know, Becca, when she was teaching school, she'd, they knew when the fire drills were coming. And they knew the exit plans, and they knew what they needed to do and everything. But there was a difference between having a plan and executing that plan. And that's why it was practiced so much. And I'm sure we've all had instances in our life where we have to make a plan and then follow through on that plan. But it's one thing to make that plan and it's another to follow through. But please note that these all started with a message from God. Not from their own feelings, not from how they thought that the situation would go. I mean, Moses was trying to get as far away as he could in the desert. Literally says in the Bible, the backside of the desert, nowhere. And God found him. Brother Mike preached a message here a while ago. I think it was a few years. I went and looked for it. I couldn't find it on our podcast or Facebook, because I don't remember the title, but it is Mordecai, talking about Mordecai in the book of Esther. Sometimes the strongest action we can take is to stand firm where God has placed us and let his plan unfold. And that is very true. That is often what we need to do, is to rest in the promises of God, rest in the word of God that he gives us for the moment at hand. And I still think about that. Stand on the promises of God. But there are times when we need to follow through with what God has given us to do. Sometimes that is to stand. Sometimes that is to set and rest. And it seems like this past season is all about that Resting, learning to be in the presence of God and Brother Mitch getting that oil that you talked about on Sunday. Making sure that we're full because we don't exactly know what the timeline of God is. 
Sometimes it's very definite. Go to a certain place, go and do this. And sometimes it takes a little while before we start to see the promises of God. Hebrews 11, I, I think about, about how these, these heroes of faith and how they didn't see the promises of God fulfilled in their lifetime. Not always. They saw the first fruits. They saw bits and pieces. But sometimes it requires a consistency from us, following through daily after God. There's a scripture found in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, where the Ark of the Covenant was resting in Obed-Edom's house, blessing him and his household. And the situation here is when the Lord slew somebody for touching the ark. It was a situation where David said, hold on, we need to, we need to stop. I'm not comfortable with moving forward with this. If this isn't the Lord's will, you know, he's killed somebody, you know. We want to make sure that we're in the right here. Verse 10, it says, So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him and to the city of David, but David carried it aside into the, ho- into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of King Obed-Edom. I wonder how many times I can fit that his name in there. And all that pertained unto him because of the ark of the Lord. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom unto the city of David with gladness. I think about that and about how he was placed in the right place. And he was exactly where he needed to be. And when the, when the things of God were brought to him, he was blessed. And how through the Lord blessing him and his household because of the place they made for the Ark of the Covenant. Because it was there. And how that could encourage King David to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem with joy. With gladness, it says. See, something happens when we make a place for the Lord. The Shunammite woman made a room for the prophet Elijah, excuse me, Elijah, 2 Kings 4, verses 8 through 10. She convinced her husband to, she noticed that the prophet was going back and forth and <clears throat> passing by their way quite a bit. And so she says, well, let's, let's, let's prepare a place. I know that if we do this, this will be a good thing. And they and their family were blessed. Yes, there were times when their blessing was called in question, when their son had had passed away unexpectedly. But she also knew who to contact, and their blessing was restored to them. A widow gathered vessels that Elijah had told her to fill with oil, 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7. Their actions, guided by faith, prepared them for God's blessing. You see, they weren't necessarily receiving a direct word from God about go and do this. 
this woman <clears throat> making a room for the prophet. I don't know what their situation was, but they were able to build a room, make a place that was comfortable. And this woman, when she had heard that the prophet was nearby, she knew that she had to reach out. Brother Mike talked about us reaching out to the Lord if we need something here tonight. Their actions, guided by faith, prepared them for God's blessings. I'm sure it didn't make sense to them at the time. Looking back, we can look at that woman that owed such an amount of money. And if I'm sure if we would have been in that situation, knowing what we know, we might have got we might have gathered 55-gallon drums and just poured that oil continually or gathered up a tanker truck or whatever we could, you know. But they didn't know it at the time. And yet the Bible is so full of examples where faith led to victory, where what they had received gave them more than enough to sustain them for the situation they were going through for that season, for that time. I don't know what that widow woman was thinking when she was gathering up those couple of twigs to bake the last of that oil and the last of that meal for her and her son. When the prophet comes by and says, make me a cake first. Man alive. She must have been thinking, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. This is the last of it. What happens if the worst happens a few hours earlier? <laughs> I don't know what was going through her head. But she must have recognized something. She must have recognized that if this is the case coming from the Lord, something must happen. You see, how my mind works is I don't know what's going to happen in service tonight. But I know that if I go in with an attitude of ex expectation that God is going to do something, then I can be ready to receive. I may not know exactly what the Lord has for me in this moment or the next, but I know that He does have something. But I can either reject it or I can be open to it. The Israelites dug ditches in the valley on Elijah's command and saw them filled up with water that led to a great victory and deliverance for the people. In 2 Kings chapter 3, they marched around Jericho for seven days before the walls fell. Joshua 6. Time and time again, these instructions from the Lord, they didn't see the full picture. When we see an open door, maybe we see a glimpse of what is through that door but really, a lot of times what we see is the world around us. What we're already existing in rather than what the Lord wants us to bring us to. Scripture tells us, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. And I think about that table that the Lord prepares for us in the midst of our enemies. In the midst of our situation, the Lord has prepared something precious for us. A time of rest, a time of safety. Typically, you don't eat unless you're in a secure location. But here, when we're surrounded by enemies, 
the Lord still prepares a place. Gideon's army was reduced from an already outnumbered 32,000 to 300. Not even a fraction of what he had access to. And yet, the Lord brought the victory, Judges 7. Naaman, a Syrian commander, was healed of leprosy after dipping in the Jordan River multiple times. He didn't understand the instructions because the prophet didn't look at him, didn't see him really truly face to face. He just sent instruction. <laughs> and the whole time, Naaman's there with his entourage. He's there with his gifts. He's there with his whole ensemble. And he got angry. He's like, really? Is this it? I could have washed in the nice rivers back home. This, the Jordan, it's mussy. It's messy. It's muddy. And yet, <laughs> his servants... <clears throat> said, if they would have asked you to do some great thing, you would have gladly done it. When the answer is simple, will you do it? That's what he was, they were asking him. It's so simple. You don't have to go through all these loopholes and figure out all these intricacies. No, it's simple. And so he was healed of leprosy after dipping in the Jordan River. 2 Kings chapter 5. Jesus fed 5,000 people with a boy's lunch, John 6. And Peter and company, they caught boatloads of fish after a night of catching nothing. Just by switching the nets to the other side of the boat. Luke 5. You see, these, these accounts, they went from faith in the Word to obedience right into faith. In, excuse me, right into victory. From enemy to irritated to healed and converted. From a boy's lunch to filled bellies of over 5,000 and more leftovers than the 12 disciples can consume. I, I always laugh at that because I, I imagine that each of the disciples is like, hey, grab your basket. This is mine. <laughs> these, these accounts, they teach us the importance of obedience. It's not about fully understanding God's plan because I'm sure that we would figure out a way, God, I'm, uh, we could just fix this over here and you know, we could do this, this part better. Or No, this is what we need to do. When the Lord gives us a word, we must follow through with what He says. He knows best. We must trust in that. Trusting that the door He opens will be exactly what is needed. And he gives us what is needed to accomplish what he says. When Moses was questioning this, that, and the other, and the Lord answers him exactly what he needs to do. But God, how do I convince this people? What do you have in your hand? And when this woman owed the bunch of money, what do you have in your house? They were simple things. Moses had a rod in his hand. The woman had a jar of oil. Why don't we stand together? Each of us face different situations. And collectively as a body of believers, we face some things as well. But tonight, let's be encouraged, prepare for, and trust in the promises of God. See, it's not enough to just, just hear them. But if the Lord gives us something to do, 
We must stand and follow through. An open door from God doesn't always come with full understanding, but it always comes with the assurance of His presence and guidance. So let us be ready, whether we feel prepared or not, for the promises that God has for us in this coming year. I'm sure there are some promises that we are still waiting on. And there are others that have already been fulfilled. We may not see yet what the Lord will have us to do in this coming year. But He has many things that He wants to be active in our life presently. What will we do with the promises? Will we prepare to receive? Will we be ready like the the wise virgins with that extra oil? Mm. Why don't we come together for a few moments here at the front? We'll close out with a moment of prayer. And let's thank the Lord for what He has done already. And have a fresh commitment to follow through on what He is preparing to give us throughout this year. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer for a moment.